Scott here before the cold open, recording an even colder open during a winter storm, so pretty cold all around. Keen-eared listeners might note that it has been quite some time since our last podcast episode aired, and I want to offer an explanation for that. I became a father this year. Add these new family obligations on top of a full-time job, and producing, writing, DMing, and editing a D&D podcast became too much for me to handle. So I made the executive decision to put the podcast on hiatus and focus on my adorable baby girl. I don't regret that choice, but I really miss this podcast and the people I have the honor and pleasure of making it with. So I spoke with the cast, and while some have moved on to other opportunities, most of us are coming back with a very scaled-back release schedule until we find our new rhythm. We'll release only a few episodes per year, but those episodes are going to be longer. Standalone story arcs with the main cast, seasonal one-shots like the one you're about to listen to, and occasionally anything else that we want to do. For those of you who kept us in your feed for so long, thank you. For those of you finding this for the first time, welcome. To all of you listening, let everybody know that Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies has come back from the dead. Now let's get to that cold open. Before we start, yes, should I go with Chris Masterson or Chris Evergreen? I thought a Chris Evergreen would work for off-brand Chris Pine. You could say that he is Evergreen because he's constantly being cloned and never ages. His middle name is Evergreen. Yes. Chris Evergreen Masterson. Okay. So I have made some decisions while I was planning this in that your ship is very small. As in, you have a crew of six, and that is all that you need to pilot, to control this ship. What about storage space for all the paraphones? So, you guys are not a delivery ship, you are a scout ship. Your job is to scan for who is naughty and nice, and report back. You're essentially a spy ship. We're <laughs> um, <Or> spies. <laughs> you're, you're spies. You're, you're making contact with, you're making contact with uh, strange uh, new civilizations. And boldly going where um, no one has gone before. Except everyone's there, or else we would not have anyone to scan. You know, like Christopher Columbus. Hey, another problematic person. Exactly. Yeah, this, this one shot is becoming increasingly more problematic. Listen, we must acknowledge historical precedent. So instead of like bringing Christianity, I, I'm bringing iPhones. Exactly. Capitalism. <laughs> the new Christianity. Well, yeah. Checks out. We begin, like all good episodes of Popular Space Show, with a game of poker being played by the bridge crew. If everyone could go to the link that I have provided. Are we playing poker? You are. <laughs> All right, cool, because I am not great at it. Let's do this. All right, I have set up a hand of poker. It is now down to George M.K., Chris Masterson, and Seely, the sentient floating ball of light, who are currently playing a round of Texas Hold'em. Scotty has uh, folded, Mother has folded, and Dr. Bethany Honeydew 
is abstaining from this round. You know, I like playing poker with you, Celie. I know you don't data mine us to figure out our hands. Yes, I don't data mine you. That is correct. Sure. <laughs> All right. And now you have your hands. Pull those into the bottom of the screen and it'll show them to you. It'll be able to show them face up without us seeing them. Should I be able to see everyone's cards, though? N no, you shouldn't be able to see everyone's cards. Except I, I could be looking at everyone's. Okay, fine. This is a laser's roll. <laughs> I would say this is just a straight laser roll, uh, 1d6. This is our first roll of the game. I rolled a one. So with lasers, uh, if you roll under your number, you have succeeded. So you rolled a one, which means you have succeeded on your lasers roll. Because of your single success of lasers, you barely manage it, and I will inflict a complication, a harm, or a cost. The cost is you only get to choose one person who's being cavalier with their cards. Okay. Uh, you can either see George's cards... Or you can see Chris's card, but you cannot see both. Is it because, okay, so let, let me just like add on to this. So Sealy is the operating system for the ship. So as the operation operating system for the ship, she also has access to all of the cameras on the ship. Um, I'll choose Chris. I will take my headphones off. Chris, why don't you tell uh, Sealy your cards? I have... Uh... A nine of clubs and a two of clubs. There is a nebulous amount of chips on the table, but Celie is unsurprisingly winning. Because I do not data mine. I'm just really good at this game. I am just running all of the math. Yes, that is what is going on here. I believe her. I know you do. Chris, you are of superior intelligence, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. See, Lee, it is your bet. There is a nebulous amount of tokens. What is the, to the like, monetary system? Let's just say it's chips for now. And I would say space bucks. No, sorry, sorry. Space bucks. Because it's space. Space bucks. Space bucks. I will put in two chips. George will call. Chris will raise four chips. Mm. How many chips do I have? Let's just say that you have an unfortunately low number of chips. Okay. Can I actually um, attempt a feelings roll to see if I could, like, read someone to figure out if they have a good hand or not? I don't think that you're um, terribly prepared because this is a game of chance, and you're certainly not an expert. Um, so this is going to be just a 1d6. All right. I, my number is a two. So you're going to need to roll above your, your number. That's a six. So that is a successful feelings roll, but you only have one die, so you barely manage it. I would say Silly is a glowing ball of light. The only person you're going to be able to really get a read on is George. Yeah. You can tell that George probably only called because they think they can beat Seely and they desperately want to beat Seely. So am I getting a sense of confidence or more desperation? Because you just gave me confidence and desperation. It's more of tepid confidence and venomous intent. Okay. Not directed at you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I like that Celie just got that for free. <laughs> Celie just got what for free? Oh, crap. You're right. <laughs> Certainly not data mining. 
I certainly did not data mine everyone at this table. I would not do that. You trust me, right? The fact that you keep on asking if we trust you really just makes me trust you all the more, Seely. I know that. Yes, thank you for trusting in the Pear Corporation. I mean, nothing bad ever happens to us when we're part of the Pear Corporation. Plop! Suddenly, as an aneurysm falls over dead, Mother just plops out another one that's just naked and like, huh? This is totally normal. (laughs) 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 And you're like covered in amniotic fluid. (laughs) You're like, oh, I suddenly feel kind of like sticky. (laughs) Why am I naked? Chris Masterson has raised. George is going to call. Seely? Can I do another roll? I would like to see if I can use any of the other sensors or cameras throughout the room. Targeted at what? What are you trying to accomplish? I'm here? looking at George. So you you want to more specifically get information about George? Yes. All right. You can have another lasers roll. Just another D6. I rolled a two, but my number is four. So I am under it by two. You have successfully lasered. So using a heat sensor on the ship, you cross-reference the uh, body temperature reading for George McKay, and you can tell that their body is warming. But because of sensory confusion, because of the nature of the room at the moment, you, you get the information that Chris Masterson you, that gave you for free with their role. Oh, so that they are nervous. They have something but they just want to beat you. Hmm. George, why are you so warm today? Are you nervous? Stop trying to get into my head, Seely. I don't need to try. It's your move. Do you call or do you fold? I think I will call. I do have unlimited resources. <laughs> All right, so let's see. We're going to discard a card and the river. Oh, I should probably read out the cards. Uh, There is currently an Eight of Hearts, a Queen of Diamonds, an Eight of Diamonds, and now the River card, um, or the the fourth card, is a Three of Hearts. And now there is another round of betting. Where are we sitting at the table? I mean, that kind of matters, doesn't it? Who was big blind? Celie was big blind. And Chris was little blind. Or Bethany was little blind, but Bethany folded early. I will up the ante by two. I will call. George taps the table twice, indicating that they are staying at their current amount of money placed in the pot. Space bucks. Sorry. Hmm. All right. Discard a card. And the final card. Okay. It is a four of clubs. I believe, uh, Chris, it is your turn to choose whether or not you bet again. That's not how poker works. It's the same order every time. Yeah, that's why you need to know where everyone is sitting at the table. Then it should have been Celie. I'm sorry. No, it's it's okay. I also am very out of practice with poker, so I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Technically, my character should be able to look that up since she is the operating system on the ship. But... <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, we have a weak Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> she's busy data mining. I mean, not data mining. I would never do that to my friends. You are my friends, right? This business is a family. Yes, we are all family. And family just freely gives information to me so that I can customize your experience. Yeah, in fact, the corporation labeled us as family so they don't have to pay us the galactic minimums. Yes, we don't pay family. And vacation is highly discouraged. Why would you need vacation from your family? (laughs) 
I'm laughing, but I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So bets. Any any changes? No changes? I will fold. I will go all in. Normally the DM doesn't roll, but I I just need to I need to determine for myself what was going on here. What is You know what? No. Chris Masterson always goes all in. And sometimes it works out. Yeah, um George will see your all in. All right, show your cards. Two pair. Oh my. One pair. Ha ha ha. And grabs the chip pile and pulls it toward himself. And just then, there is a... And Captain Krampus comes over the communications devices. Hey, Seely, we've received a distress call. Change course to intercept. And we cut to... Captain's Yule Log. Stardate 12242021.2. The solstice has bypassed its scheduled archaeological survey of Dickens Three to answer a distress call from the Slay-class delivery vessel Cupid, which has been forced into an emergency orbit of Ankh-Morpork Two. However, before we could arrive to assist with repairs, the time-space compression drive suffered a containment breach. We collected a handful of survivors from escape pods to learn that the Cupid crew managed to eject the Santalian sealed appendicular cargo container, affectionately referred to as Santa's sack with two C's, it's very clever. Right. The sack, containing a shipment of 500,000 units of Pairphone 13s and 12 Cupid crew members, crash-landed on the planet's surface, close to the colony. I will lead an away team to the surface, consisting of myself. Chief Envoy M.K. and Security Officer Masterson to secure and protect the sack before the colonists can grab it. I, ha- I, I have, have a his- question. Wait for the captain's yule log sorry. to be over. I thought you finished. My bad. My bad. Okay. Apologies. I'm sorry. It's called the sack. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're going after the pear in the sack. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a history with the inhabitants of Ankh Morpork 2. Many naughty children with disrespect for their parents. Those children are now likely to be the adults that run this colony. We shall hope they do not remember me. Smash cut to the medical pod, containing the blaster-burnt unconscious Captain Krampus and a fresh clone of Chris Masterson forming inside of the expanding fungal cyst. Just as the cyst splits open and a wet, naked Chris Masterson is ejected onto the, mo- onto the med bay floor, Chief Envoy George M.K., sporting a black eye, bloody nose, and singed clothing, turns to Celia and says, Well... That could have gone better. Opening theme! Da, 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 da. No, that's not the opening theme for this episode. Yes, <laughs> it's almost like you're experiencing the consequences to your actions. <laughs> we followed your plan! <laughs> you followed the plan of the operating system of your ship? You were supposed to data mine! Data mine? A place without Wi-Fi? Yes, true. I was supposed to do that. This is not sarcasm. They have blaster technology. Doesn't mean they have good Wi-Fi. That's true. I also did not tell Krampus to go and beat children. That was part of the daily memo. That was decades ago. That was before Celie existed. See, the thing about me is I am only 10 years old. That's true. (laughs) It's it's very true. At current time, the iPhone... Sorry, no. The the, the Pear Phone only came out... It's 10 years old, right? Yes, it is like 10 or 11 years old, yeah. Why would you follow a 10-year-old? It sounds like (laughs) this is your problem. As like the 30-second old Chris Masterson starts getting up. What? 
like like a freshly <laughs> newborn deer, unsteady on their feet, stumbling. <laughs> so like out pops towels. Here, clean yourself up, Chris Masterson. Metal oh. pops open. <laughs> towels just pop it. You are very gross. How does this keep on happening? So we're gonna go ahead and cut to the boardroom communication scene where uh where all of the crew is arrayed and uh essentially no one is in charge at this point but it has become a roundtable discussion like all good episodes of popular space show everyone has gathered to discuss the problem so your stations navigation is Seely's station tactical is chris's station engineering is scotty's station Bethany is on scanners, and George is on comms. And Mother is in medbay, tending to the medical pod uh, and preparing another cyst with a Chris Masterson DNA sample inside. Like that's already being prepared. Yes. (laughs) After all, this ship has some bad wiring and a panel could blow at any moment. Bethany, I've missed you. And I go to kiss her. The interpretive dance, which you take to mean this is not the appropriate time. We are on a mission. Professionalism is important. You always dance that. We need more open communication. She dances, not now, Chris. I need my space. We're in space. All we have is space. She dances, I don't think this is the time for this. God, you're always like this, especially that time with the queen. Wait, do you mean your queen or the queen of... Her queen. Oh. <laughs> Her queen is is currently in a brood nest somewhere. There's uh, like some honeycomb floating inside of her somewhere. All right. I'll drop it for now, honey. So without rolling for it, here is what your stations can tell you. Chris, there are minimal orbital defenses on this planet. However, they have scrambled fighters and they are in a defensive pattern around the sack, which has emergency landed very close to that colony. Um, I can tell you this bombardment from orbit with weapons is too risky. You might damn, you might harm the crew of the Cupid, uh, or you might damage the, the pair phones. You have, uh, collected like three crew members of the Cupid. You do have enough space to house the Cupid crew members. And you have learned from them that there are about, 12 crew members landed that crash landed on a planet. You don't know how many of them survived. The captain and the chief engineer of the Cupid uh, died in the uh, time-space compression device breach. You know, that device that allows Santalian slay technology to travel and deliver cheer to all of the children on a planet in a single night. So those crew members are available for information about the SAC. And, uh, Seely, your station, Stealth Drive is already activated. It is currently burning through some fuel. Not at, an, not at a rate that it will, um, that you have a concern immediately, but enough of a concern that you are on a ticking clock. You have less than 12 hours before you don't have enough fuel to escape the system anymore. You have currently not been detected, but it may only be a matter of time before their fighters have adapted their sensors to the proper frequency to pick up your, your stealth ship. But you are currently in orbit around Ankh-Morpork 2. Uh, so that's the information that I can give you guys for free. 
uh, you can talk to your other crew members. You can talk to the Cupid crew members. All that you got, all that you can do without rolling anything. It's when you want to do something that is slightly risky or requires some use of some use of actions that you roll. Otherwise, a lot of stuff is just free. You just have to ask for it. Do we know how close, like the most relatively safe drop-off point is from the Cupid? In order to find out that information, you would need to talk to uh, Bethany on scanners. Because right now you have a tactical loadout of uh, moving, essentially moving blips. Bethany, my beautiful little honeysuckle. Several bees fly out at you in a, in a movement that you determine as, oh, you. <laughs> I thought you were going to kill me already. All right. Um, no. Can you tell us how close the closest safe place to drop some of us off to go to the ship is from the Cupid? Several bees land on her panel and start crawling around, and you see that, like, uh, data is being tapped out and commands are being written. And a readout pops up, and Bethany waggles at you and buzzes that 300 meters away, there is a a place that has good sight lines, uh, good places for the transporter, uh, for the, sorry, not the transporter, for the teleporter to drop you off. I, I will also say this. I did make some decisions about your ship, just for complication purposes. Um, your ship is small. It does not have 5.22 million cubic meters of cargo space, which is the amount of 500,000 Pairphone 13 boxes would take up, in addition to the space for an additional 12 crew. Um, so your ship is too small for that. Uh, your teleporters are also only capable of transporting three at a time safely. Is that including Seely? Uh, no. Because we did establish... Okay. Seely is always with you. Yes. I am always with you. Yeah, on your communicator... And also with you. <laughs> I'm watching you always. You have escape pods, but you do not have shuttles. Your <laughs> ship is just too small for that. Okay. So what I'm hearing is myself... Our expert engineer, Scotty LaForge, and one other person should teleport down, sneak, and make their way to the ship. LaForge can attempt some repairs, and then we can use the solstice as a momentary distraction before throwing back on the stealth field to while the Cupid tries to get away from the planet so that we can get to the rendezvous. At this point, Scotty pipes up, I, who put you in charge? Decided that Scotty has a very abrasive accent. <laughs> well, do you have a better plan, Scotty? I, the sack has its own sublight drive on board. It'll take me 15 hours to fabricate a docking clamp that'll allow us to carry a sack into our time-space compression bubble and escape the planet. If we can go down and we can grab the sack away from the locals, we can fly it up here and attach it to my docking clamp. But I need to be here to build the clamp. Yes, Scotty. However, wouldn't that possibly damage the pair phones, which is merchandise of the Apple? I mean. Sorry, Pair Corporation? And would that take longer than just repairing the damage on the ship and flying away? The ship exploded. 
Oh, the ship exploded? Yeah, a time-space compression breach destroyed the ship. They managed to send the sack down for an emergency landing on the planet. Imagine the sack. Don't mind if I do. Let's imagine the sack, everyone. <laughs> think of the sack. Think of the pair in the sack. Hold out your hand and cut an image of the sack. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a little gentle squeeze. Feel the sack for lumps. <laughs> This is a family-friendly podcast. It, does it have to be? <laughs> yes, it's a family-friendly <laughs> podcast that talks about sacks. This is the SACC, Santalian Appendicular Cargo Container. So it th- essentially think of this as a, a cargo section of a train, but it has its own drive. Like, it, it has its own engines and can be controlled independently. It's just usually clamped onto a... Um, a toe. Oh, so it is normally clamped onto a toe. It's not. It's not. I'm. I'm envisioning like a like an actual Santa's sack, which would be very inefficient to carry iPhones. I mean, pair phones. I retract my statement though, because it would actually be better for us to just try and get the sack, unless we stole a ship. I like this plan. Remember, you have twelve hours before your fuel reserves make it, so you can't escape the system safely. Would there be a way for us to figure out where there would be additional fuel on the planet? Bethany would have to make a roll. May I make a suggestion? Would it be possible Mm -hmm. to, since we, since our ship has very good sensors and is also invisible and fast and it's established, we have a teleporter while the ship is stealthed. The teleporter won't work. You have to undo your stealth cloak, teleport down to the planet, and then re-stealth. That would be laser rolls, Seely's part, to escape detection. What if we teleported onto some of the other ships and set, like, a beacon on their tanks and just stole their fuel? And in essence, knock out one of the enemies while refueling. Right, so they do have fighters, which are small one- to two-person ships. Uh, that are flying around in in orbit and around on the planet. Um, I will also say this. It is possible for your ship to enter atmosphere. However, that would require a lot of fuel. But also keep in mind that Scotty already told you that he needs to build a docking clamp. And so, and we would definitely have to get into the atmosphere in order to clamp onto the sack. Or you would need to bring the sack up into orbit and clamp it onto your ship. All that would have to be done, one, the clamping part would have to be done with the ship unstealthed, otherwise you guys couldn't communicate to, to work together. No matter what you do, there will be an element of danger involved. Seely will be occupied with maintaining this ship away from any presences. Question. Yes. We can transport three people at a time, but we could do that multiple times. You could, in theory. Could we blow something really big up to like confuse them that is always an option like on the other side of the planet or like somewhere else so that they're not looking the way you designed your ship you are fast you are stealth uh, and have superior sensors your firepower is not great if you end up in a dogfight there's a very real possibility you lose we don't want to be in a dogfight but we could blow things up right understanding using your weapons will drop your stealth or it will will alert people to your presence but I'm not saying that the ship will blow up or blow something up. I'm saying that we will blow something up. 
Oh, okay. Perhaps sending someone on a suicide mission. I mean, not a suicide mission. <laughs> I always survive the suicide missions. <laughs> I'm the example that disproves suicide missions can be survived. I never remember how I do it. Exactly. <laughs> you've talked to Bethany. You've talked to Scotty. Uh, let me just give you George's information so that we don't lose it. But you never answered my question about if it would be possible to steal fuel. Yes, it is possible. Okay. Your information available from George. Um, the colonists are a separatist faction from the Winter Alliance that separated 24 years ago. The Alliance tried to reintegrate them, but attempts failed and the colony has been left to its own devices since then. They are holding the Cupid crew members prisoner and have demanded a ransom. They are armed, dangerous, and significantly lacking in holiday spirit. I could attempt to reestablish negotiations to get back the Cupid crew and the pair phones. In other words, we have possible allies on the planet? That is possible for you to do. Let me just sum up your avenues here that you guys have discussed. Fighters have scrambled. Uh, your stealth drive is activated. You have a 12-hour ticking clock. Scotty has already said that he needs to fabricate a docking clamp in order to grab a hold of the sack and carry it with you uh, through your time-space compression bubble in order to escape the system. He said that it would take him 15 hours to fabricate, but remember, this is Scotty LaForge. 15 hours is not really a true estimate. No, it's going to take him 24. <laughs> <laughs> it will take him a lot less than that, but the, the quality of the workmanship will not be super reliable. There's George's Avenue as the envoy of opening diplomatic relations to negotiate to get the crew and the, and the cargo back. That didn't go very well when Krampus tried to do it and, they got shot, and got shot up. George is currently sporting a big old black eye and a bloody nose. I'm confident in this. I came out of this the first try unscathed. From Bethany's scanners, the sack has been surrounded by life signs. It is possible to pinpoint the location of the individual Cupid crew versus the locals. Um, a naughty and nice reading would accomplish that, but that would be a roll. All right. Desombra or Sealy has posited that um, you could theoretically create an explosion somewhere else to, to lure people away so that you can go down and grab the sack. Um, sending a team down to um, hijack the sack. I can at, at some point, can we listen back to this recording and play a drinking game every time someone says sack? Yes. I did this on purpose. <laughs> it's S-A-C-C. -C. It's very cute. <laughs> so it's a cute sack. It's a cute sack. <laughs> it's a cute sack. I would like to speak to mother. I am going to the bay. And I just pop into the medical bay. So I'm just a glowing orb in the medical bay and I find mother. Hello, mother. Hey, Sealy. I have some questions for you. Can you tell me a little bit about Chris Masterson's clones? How long does it take for them to generate? One of them will be ready in about five minutes. So you can generate a clone every five minutes? More like ten. You can generate a clone every ten minutes. Can there be multiple clones available at once? The cycle connection between the clones themselves would cause Chris Masterson to become deeply insane. Ah, deeply insane. I don't know if I mind that too much. Would both Chris Masterson's be deeply insane? 
Yes. Then it would share a single consciousness. In two bodies, the sensory input is far more than any Santalian sensory systems can withstand. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> Such sad, weak creatures. I wonder, would next generations remember what happened? Yes. So, for the rest of the lifespan of all of the clones, all Chris Mastersons would remember being insane and potentially being murdered. Correct. I see. Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, Silly. Also, I don't know if you know this, but the new pair watch has come out in your favorite color, purple. Oh, Lord. I need to use some of my Spamies box to purchase it right away. Thank you for telling me, Silly. If you nod right now, I can ship it to you immediately. I do not have a neck. I cannot nod. Just say affirmative and I can ship it to you. Affirmative! Ah, thank you. Your new hair watch has been sent, and your space bucks have been taken out of your bank account. Thank you for your great purchase. Thank you, Shmilly. Anytime. As a tendril appears with a with the old model pair watch on it, and another tendril removes the pair walk and flings it across the room. Ah, yes, get rid of that hideous thing. I am going to go now. And I just pop into the other one. Here on the bridge. All right, cool. Uh, so now you're down to 11 hours before your fuel reserves are, are insufficient for escape from the system. Okay. And Scotty has, without need for anything, has already started fabricating the docking clamp. Can I turn to Chris and just be like, oh, hi, Chris. <laughs> are you set on being sane? Is that something you enjoy? I'm not sane. I'm crazy awesome. And then he does finger guns. Ah, sounds like you do not care. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and I don't say anything. I just, I just glow. I just change from like, right now I'm glowing pink. I just change to glowing green. You know, I would be concerned, but this soft glow is making me feel calm and submissive. Yes, that is what green is for. It is a calming color. Please look into the green orb. When Celie is listening, which Celie is always listening, uh, the orb like flickers and and stuff. And when Celie is searching, there is a, a ring of little discs that appears and, si and swirls. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes. You can tell when I'm listening. But I am always listening. I'm in the walls. Uh, you, you didn't hear me and, and Bethany last night. Bethany. Bethany. Yes, I did. It was very strange, those noises you made. The gasping, the choking, and the anaphylactic shock. Only if you're doing it right. You cried for help many times. That's something I'm working out with my therapist, okay? I know that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> you now have ten and a half hours. And I am now glowing blue. The fabrication of the docking clamp is underway. Uh, there are things you could do to speed that up. Um, what is the plan? I think Celie's about to make Chris Masterson insane. <laughs> um, I think, because Chris Masterson doesn't know about the clone plan, because he doesn't know he's a clone. How are we feeling about trying to like hijack some of the other fighter pilot ships? And like using them to either A, support us in a firefight, or B, 
they could always work as a distraction. Yeah, so also we have extra crew members, right? There's the crew from the other ship. Could we talk to them about possibly joining forces with them? Uh, yes, yes, you can. Uh, they want to rescue their their crew members as well. Um, I'm going to go with a general they, uh, generic humanoids, uh, faceless, featureless, single tone, uh, vaguely humanoid outlines. Wait, like, really? They're, they don't have any, like, features? Do they have faces? They're like men in green screen costumes. Let, let me ask you a question, Celie. Does anyone actually have a face to you, or are they just the mass public to exploit? Oh, no. The latest update of the Pairphone software uh, included facial recognition. Yes, I can recognize all faces, and I can also cross-reference them with my database. The information goes right to the NSA. I mean, not the NSA. I'm very good at this. <laughs> Me too. I survive every mission I go on. Yes, you certainly do survive. And do not die. I always find it reassuring how many times you say that. I'm here to reassure you. Also, do you have the latest Pairphone? It did come out in another color. I do, and it's... Wait, what happened to my Pairphone? As, like, he looks at his naked, still slightly wet wrist. There are 500,000 units of them on the planet. Yes. When we get one, you should purchase it. Ten hours. <laughs> I think the problem with playing my character is I can use every single hour just selling things to people. This is true. You currently are. Okay. I think we should go ahead and con some people into doing some work for us. I mean, I think we should go and talk to the other crew. I know. I'll give them an inspiring speech to follow us. Ah, uh, maybe I should talk. So, the crew of the Cupid. <laughs> the, the humanoid green screen suits. Do they actually have names? One, two, and three. I... I don't know. You come up with names. Juan, Tootie, and Teresa. It's Teresa with a TH. Teresa. All right, cool. We've established them. Great. Now they have names, but still no faces. And I... (laughs) That's so creepy. (laughs) To unlock faces, please purchase latest upgrade. Yeah, they still have the earlier models of the Pairphone because that requires thumbprint activation instead of uh, facial recognition. Their race is a... An unfortunate blind spot in your system. I do not like this. Chris, I think these blobs that are humanoid can be expendable. I'm hopefully not talking in front of them. Uh, Yeah, let's go into the other room. Oh, yes. Let's do that. And I just blop into the other room. As I was saying, they seem very expendable. I think we should send them on a suicide mission. I, I like you where you're like, we should talk to those crew members, and then you never actually talk to the crew members. <laughs> I just go there, I see their non-faces, and I can't use my facial recognition, and I'm just like, we should kill them. <laughs> friends. Countrymen. Corporation men. You want to save your friends, right? Yes. They speak in unison. Okay. Uh. Will you join us and take risks and be heroic to save them? Follow me and nothing bad will happen. I've survived every mission I've been on. Yes, they say in unison. Okay, good talk. (laughs) Do you know anything about the sack? Yes, they say in unison. What do you know about the sack? The sack can be piloted from inside. It only requires a crew of one to operate and use the sublight drive of the sack. However, the sack is not maneuverable. It is very slow. 
It is not designed to be in combat. The thrusters on the sack are sufficient for escaping the atmosphere. Any one of the members of the Cupid crew can pilot the sack. We do not know the status of our crew members. If they are unharmed, they also can be used to pilot the sack. However, if they have all already been killed, which we can assume they have not, as your envoy, George Bouquet, has told us, that a ransom is being demanded for the twelve remaining crew members. This indicates that all of them are at least still alive, if not unharmed. We could also teach you how to operate the sack. However, that would require a direct uplink. I will say this mechanically. Seely could theoretically, if plugged in, pilot the sack and the ship at the same time, but it would be exceedingly difficult. I, I would take away your expert die if you were piloting both ships at the same time. Okay. But anyone could drive it as long as they knew how to. Is that correct, too? Correct. Are your crew members like you, with no faces, that I can recognize? See, that you can't just ask them that. We find that highly inappropriate. Well, I find your lack of face highly inappropriate. I feel discriminated against. <laughs> Chris just lets out a deep sigh and goes to get the HR paperwork that he has to get every other day because of Seely. It's not my fault that you have those hideous lack of face. I find your lack of face disturbing. It is very disturbing. They have thumbprints. I thought they did not. No, they do. They have to use the older models that, 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 that the thumbprint activated. Ah, uh, I see. Oh, because the newer models have facial recognition. Exactly. Hmm. This is a lot to think about. Your, your latest update finds them reprehensible. Your old update was fine with them. Yes, because I cannot read your face. It is deeply unsettling. I have a question. Yes. So our teleporter can do three people at once, right? Three people at once safely. Would it be able to, out of curiosity, teleport two people to us and one person to them? Like a switcheroo? Well, they do it in popular space shows, so it's popular. Yeah, they do. All right, sure. Okay. But you, you only have three pads, essentially. That's fine. I have a plan. Okay. All right. We set up some sort of, like, force field or cage around the teleporter. Teleport someone to one of the fighter jets while we teleport the two people in the fighter jet to us, to the cage. We now have a fighter jet that we don't even have to fight for. So who are you sending? I mean, I volunteer. Unless anyone else wants to go that's actually good at science. Well, I mean, no, Siri... Uh, Seely would be able to come with me on my helmet. I am always with you. But but remember, piloting more than one ship at a time would remove Seely's expertise. Yes, but couldn't he pilot the ship? True. I'm there because I'm always there. As long as he's passionately piloting the ship, I don't see why not. I mean, everything I do is passionate because I'm awesome. By doing this, we'll be able to then be in an enemy ship and just, like, get close to the sack and possibly not draw attention to ourselves because we would be in one of their ships, and then we can evaluate what's going on with the sack. You know, we need to examine the sack. I, I, I'm going to point this out because... Your teleporter doesn't work when your ship is stealth. Of course. You have to turn off stealth, which would draw attention. Also, your ship has superior sensors. So we can use the sensors to figure out if there's people around or if there's fighters around. Well, we know there's fighters around. I was keeping track of that. But can't we just move somewhere else? We're fast. You could. However, 
you're currently in orbit around the planet where your goal is. That's fine, but you're telling me that there's fighters on every part of the planet? It's popular space show. Of course there are. Yeah. In space shows, whenever like a planet has defensive formations, for some reason there's no way to just fly around them. And even if you do, they could just show up wherever you are quick as f- because it's a space show and relative distances in space around a planet are unimportant. Right. And also, like, three ships can cover an entire planet. You're forgetting this isn't Star Wars, where you can go through the middle of a freaking planet for no reason. No, this is this is popular space show. Not very familiar with popular space show. Sorry. Should have watched some episodes of popular space show before this. So how about we do that plan, and if I'm piloting that other ship, the moment we teleport... You can activate the stealth again and then fly away quickly to a different position before the fighter jets get to you. Yes. Let's do this plan. All right. So who is going to be doing the transporting? Saying transporting, it's teleporting. Uh, Bethany is usually one who runs the teleporters. Or Scotty LaForge can run the teleporters. It's up to you. Which would you rather have sending your particleized beamed body? Well, Scotty LaForge is currently working on the clamp. True. So it would need to be Bethany. My sweet honeysickle, I'll be back soon and we can go back to enjoying jazz. I love it. Uh, was that a B-movie joke? Because I'm into it. That was a B-movie joke. Do you like jazz? All right, so uh, Bethany's number is five. This is a lasers roll. Bethany is an expert because they are the scientist. Uh, let's say one of you guys roll for me, uh, 2d6. I am romancing Bethany. I'll, I'll do the lasers roll. So romance, so you're doing it with feeling. I'm just rolling for Bethany. Uh, 2d6 you said? 2d6, yes. Ooh, (laughs) that is two failures. (laughs) None of your dice succeed. It is going to go horribly wrong. That is two sixes. Bethany's number is a five. You literally rolled the only thing you could possibly roll to fail. I've only rolled sixes this game. I'm going to point that out. Bethany cannot establish a lock on the fighters. The solstice has come out of cloak, and the enemy fighter is right in front of you. You can see the Ankh-Morporkians' faces in the fighter itself, and they just open fire on your ship. Chris Masterson's body appears right in front of their blasters. And Chris Masterson's body scattered by their ship-to-ship blasters. And just as the ship rocks, taking a a blaster to your weak shields, a fungal cyst uh, splits open and Chris Masterson extrudes out onto the floor of the med bay, wriggling. Um, You are now under attack. It is now much, much worse. What do you do? I wriggle. (laughs) You wriggle. Um... So we're going to have to try to maneuver out of the way. You're going to make me a uh, piloting roll. Uh, You're only controlling one ship. You're an expert at this, and this is a lasers roll. So go ahead and roll 2d6 for me. I roll a 1 and a 6. My number is a 4. No. Yes. So one of your dice succeeds. Uh, You barely manage it, but you dive in and out between uh, some of the, a couple of floating, like, asteroid-sized moons, um, like like a little Phobos-Demos type stuff, Uh, maybe a little bit of a a ring pattern shower or whatever. You maneuver between and around these rocks and scatter these sensors. You have managed to dodge them. However, you have taken several hits, and you have used about five hours worth of fuel. 
you now have four hours before you no longer are able to escape the system without stealing more fuel. At this point, Chris Masterson walks into the room and says, All right, I'm ready to try this teleporter plan. Yes, I don't think that we should do this plan right now. What, are you concerned it won't work? I mean, you could always try assisting Bethany with the calculations. Um, sure, I will assist with the calculations. Do you want to try this again? I mean, Chris doesn't know it. I mean, it's in conversations. Chris doesn't remember how he died, so he doesn't know that we already did it and it failed. He doesn't know it didn't work. So I came in as a joke saying, hey, I'm ready for this plan, but if people are up for trying again, I'm up for trying again. Okay, so I just I want to confirm your course of action. Are you trying the same plan again? Yes, let's try the same plan again. Okay, you are now re-stealthed but you're going to have to come out of stealth in order to try this plan again. You are assisting with the calculations uh, to try and help and make a roll. You are going to uh, roll 1d6, and if you succeed, you will add 1d6 to Bethany's roll. My roll is a 3. Okay, and your number is a 4, so you have succeeded. Bethany will add a d6 to their roll. Um, so this time... Bethany is prepared because they've done it at least once before. They've seen what they did wrong the first time, and they're going to make corrections that they need to make. They are prepared, they are an expert, and this is a regular roll, so they're going to roll 4d6. Bethany's number is a 5. Am I rolling it again? Yes. Okay. And you said 4d6? 4d6. Cool. They are receiving assistance, they are prepared, they are an expert, and and the roll is a baseline of plus 1. One failure, three successes. Okay. And no laser feelings. All right, cool. Three have succeeded. You get a critical success. Some extra effect will happen. The Ankh-Morporkian ship is now under Chris Masterson's control, uh, and the two Ankh-Morporkian pilots are uh, trapped, and Bethany can do an immediate site-to-site teleport from the teleport room to the brig. And they are now captured, whereupon Mother immediately emits a cloud of spores, drugging them with an effective mold truth serum. So now they are able to give you information. Because three dice have succeeded, you deserve to be rewarded. So you now have control of an Ankh-Morporkian orbital bomber. Go ahead and write that down. And uh, you now have two hostages. Knew it would work. First try. And begins to uh, steer the ship towards the planet. You hear a Porky 2, Porky 2. Why have you deviated from your flight path? Uh, yeah, this is Porky 2. Uh, I'm experiencing some issues with the fuel line. I'm uh, bring her down a uh, check on it. Porky 2, our systems are showing that you do not have any problems with your ship. Can you check your sensors again? Uh, yeah, just uh, one second. I would like to take a weapon I have and just smash one of the con- one of the consoles that look a little less important so that the ship is actually a little damaged. Okay, so you, you now have an extra prepared die. This is a feelings roll to lie. All right, cool. So 2d6 then? 2d6. I got my feelings, laser feelings. Laser feelings. You have a two and a six, I see, on my little uh, an indicator here. That is correct. So that means you have two successes. You do it well, good job, and you've also received a laser feelings. You get to ask me an, a, an, a question, and I will give you an honest answer. 
Okay. There are some suggestions on the rules handout. You can also ask me something else. Um, how can I get them to tell me where they store fuel on the planet? You could just add to the lie that uh, your instruments panel is damaged and you are also getting a fuel indicator warning light as well. Yeah, one of my consoles is damaged. It seems to be sparking now. And uh, I'm now getting a fuel warning. And uh, I'm not sure if that has to do with the console being broken or if there's some sort of bad reading with the shit. I'm just going to bring it down to try to get this fixed. Uh, Where do we store the fuel again in case my ship is low? Porky 2, Porky 2, this is Control. We do read some of your instruments have been damaged uh, on our connection. So yeah, why don't you go ahead and just use Docking Bay 2. You can click the button to let us autopilot you in since your instrument panel is damaged. Re-entry might be difficult. We'll bring you right in. Uh, unfortunately, the, the panel that's broken is the one with the uh, autopilot button. I'm going to have to bring her in down and uh, fix it myself, and then I'll, uh, I'll uh, bring her over to the docks. Understood. We'll go ahead and just send you the coordinates. All right. Thank you, Kyla. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> if you have a project or a business that you'd like to promote on our show, please reach out to us at rfedpod at gmail.com. If you don't have a product or a business, but you want to help us anyway, you can share our show with your friends or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. That will really help us grow and reach more people. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can take part in polls and ask questions if you'd like us to answer those questions in future Wine and Spirits episodes. You can find all of our handles in one convenient place by visiting our website, rfedpod.com. You now are given the coordinates for Landing Strip 2, just outside of the colony. You can go ahead and land whenever you feel like it. Oh no, I'm not flying towards there. My plan was I'm going to land and try to fix it myself before I go there, because I don't know how much fuel I have. So I'm going to try to land relatively close to the sack and send the coordinates of where the fuel is to Seely so she can prepare to teleport some fuel to the ship so that we can get away. Seely is always with you. You just need to speak into your pair phone. Yes, I am here. <laughs> Chris Masterson nailing it again. Seely, uh, you got these coordinates, right? Yes, I do. All right, all right, all right. So I send the coordinates back to myself on the ship because I am in two places at once. Well, actually, I am everywhere at once. So now you have the location of fuel on the planet, and also uh, you have a bomber with a busted panel. I'm confident LaForge can fix this later. Um, so are you really going to try and land on the planet? Yeah, that's what I've been saying. All right, cool. How do you try to land on the planet? Because re-entry is not just something you can do. It's it's considerably violent. Hey, Sita, uh, you could uh, help guide me through this, right? I'm, I mean, we need to get. I need to get down there. There's people down there that need help for the Pair Corporation. And as we've discussed earlier... Everyone that works for the Parrot Corporation is family. That's how you keep us from unionizing. Yes, you are family. And not expendable. I will help you. I feel emotionally compelled to accomplish this mission. Okay, are you trying to say that you want to do a feelings roll to, to feelings the ship into the atmosphere? 
sometimes when it comes to like driving and using machines it it's less about your head and more about like innately understanding how things should feel as they go yes and traffic laws are, are just suggestions <laughs> yeah so i need a laser's roll from Seely to 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 help okay i'm gonna say that chris masterson is not an expert pilot he thinks he is but he is not i fully agree with that and it's not like you could prepare for this, but the help role will be your preparation, essentially. Um, ooh. Did I get laser feelings? All right, so you can go ahead and ask me an additional question about Chris's situation. Are things really serious between him and Bethany? Oh, gosh, yeah, because it's a very important question <laughs> right now. <laughs> As you're about to explode. Um, yeah, so his situation... What panel did he destroy, and how important is it to the ship? He really did destroy his fuel indicator panel, which also contained several buttons uh, that um, essentially he is slowly venting his own fuel. So he could very much explode in the atmosphere uh, if this goes very poorly. Also, I should also say this. When you teleported him again, your ship came out of stealth. I'm going to need a laser's roll from you. And I'm going to say you were prepared for this because you've done it already again uh, to re-stealth and move out of the way so you don't get spotted by other fighters in orbit. Okay. So if I can get a 2d6 lasers roll. Ugh. I rolled a 5 and a 5. My number is 4. None of your dice succeeded. It goes wrong. Um, I'm going to give you a choice. Either the stealth system can fail or the teleporter can fail. That's a hard one. Is is the teleporter system, if it fails, permanently damaged? Damaged for the rest of the mission. Or you could divert Scotty from building his docking clamp, which he is almost done with, by the way. This is a hard dis- decision. Um, and he could fix either. He could. So with the stealth on, they couldn't see us. So they wouldn't be able to attack us. Correct. I'm going to keep the stealth intact and destroy the teleporter. A panel explodes, and a number of Bethany's bees were on that panel controlling the system. Not the bees! Remember that Bethany is a sentient swarm of bees, so literally a quarter of Bethany's body is vaporized as the panel explodes. She's not incapacitated, but her processing power is down. So I will now no longer allow her to be prepared for roles anymore. Silly, can she... Be on the ship while also being... Well, she's only in the helmet right now. Yeah, she's in Chris's communicator translator thingy. Scanner thingy. Scotty, I need you to stop what you're doing and redirect your energy somewhere else. I'm in the middle of building a docking clamp! Wow. You are almost incomprehensible. (laughs) Let me just try to process what you just said. Did you mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Did you mean... Yes, I will do what you ask because I am going to be compliant because I understand the importance of our mission because that is how I am taking your complaining. I silly. Very good. And where are you redirecting Scotty's attention? Scotty, I would like you to go to the teleporter bay and fix the teleporter. I silly. Yes, thank you. So you have four hours of fuel remaining. Work on the docking clamp has stopped. The docking clamp is about 70% complete. Uh, And 
the teleporter is going to take question mark number of hours. It'll depend on Scotty's lasers roll. And I remind you, Scotty is a passionate engineer. Mm. Can someone assist? I'm sure Bethany can assist. You will lose Bethany on scanners, though. We do need Bethany on scanners. George could assist, but George is not terribly helpful. Mm. Is he also feelings? I couldn't remember. He's a three. What about the faceless abominations? Uh, the faceless abominations could help, sure. Hi, faceless abominations. I just, like, show up. <laughs> I would like you to assist us, because you care about the Pear Corporation, do you not? We are family, after all, faceless abominations. <laughs> yes, they say in unison. Please help with the teleporter. We need this online. And unfortunately, Scotty is incompetent. I mean, very competent. Is Scotty in the room? No, Scotty is not in the room. Luckily, he did not hear that. So Scotty and the faceless crew of the Cupid are now assisting with the teleporter. They, that, that should have the teleporter back online. Possibly this adventure. Maybe if you want to make a roll for it. I would like to. Let's make a roll for that. So this is a laser's roll by Scotty with, let's say, I'll just say that the three helpers will give him an additional 3d6 um, for the help. Uh, but Scotty is theoretically an expert. Is he not a hotshot? <laughs> he is a hotshot. So you've got 5d6, but it's a laser's roll and Scotty's number is a two. You have to roll a two or a one to succeed. Failure is always an option. Noticing that. Yes. And if we don't try, it's not finished. If you don't try, you won't get the teleporter back. All right. Let's roll. With a 5d6, Scotty got a 6, a 3, a 4, a 6, and a 1. One die succeeds. Scotty barely manages it. It looks like it's held together with gum and shoestring, but the teleporter will work. But there is a complication in that now a panel will definitely explode. Even if you succeed perfectly, panels will explode in this room. Very well. And it took him it took him an hour, so you've got three hours of fuel left. I guess I should go and check in on Chris. So is it time for me to make the roll to see if I die? Yes. Yes. Uh, Seely's additional calculations, by the way, got a laser's feeling, so you do have an additional help die. So you've got two D6, passionately piloting the ship into the atmosphere. The ship's starting to shake as he's entering. He's like, ah! Yes. You know, because for some reason, screaming helps. Very DBZ. And that is two successes. You do it well. Good job. No additional things happen. <laughs> you are you burn through Atmo. And you, uh, oh, that was easy. All the all the warning systems are going off, and you go through the Atmo. The shaking stops, and you just gently ride to the ground, and you come to a rest about a kilometer away from the sack, and you have some tree cover, so you can't be spotted from uh, passing. Reconnaissance drones. And you know, there's no way that this ship, just for absolutely no other reason besides cool points, has a motorcycle that Chris can pop out of and ride to the ship. Unfortunately not. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would have just been so cool. It's exploding in the background as you ride off into the sunset. <laughs> because two dice succeeded, the ship is still usable. All right. So I'm going to... 
go ahead and like step out of the ship and be like, all right. I I look up as like, don't worry, guys, I'll take on all the danger while you all remain safe up there. As like stuff explodes, <laughs> half my girlfriend dies. Yes, everyone is safe. I promise. Let's go to the sack. <laughs> I trust you implicitly, silly. And I start my kilometer hike to the sack. How, how fast does uh, does Chris Masterson run a kilometer? What's their time? So, all right, he's not going a full sprint because you know this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And so, um, I'm gonna say he can make at a brisk jog a uh, half a kilometer in four or five minutes. That's actually really fast. A kilometer is roughly half a mile. Oh, it is. Oh, okay, half a mile. Yeah. So then that is. At a jog? That seems fine to me. It's not exact. It's a little bit more. It's a little more than half a mile, but like it's around there. A five minute mile is pretty good. So a 10 minute mile is fine. It passes various physical fitness requirements for law enforcement and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a soldier. Um, Okay, cool. So, all right, cool. So that, that, so your, your next clone is ready. That's all the, that's the only reason I was asking. Wait, what clone? Don't worry about it. So now Chris Masterson is uh, in some popular space show caves looking out uh, <laughs> in an anybody canyon, the soundstage planet with some garden center greenery. And like, he's definitely like doing the jog, but for some reason, his arms are slightly out, hands open, palm down. Uh, and now for some reason, his shirt is torn. Not sure why. Just sudden quick jerks looking around, but too quick to actually... Like, take anything in. Yes. All right, so you're on a ridge overlooking the sack. Just imagine a cargo container with some Firefly thruster engines on the side as wings. That's what you're looking at. Gotcha, gotcha. They are rotatable in different directions to allow you to maneuver. It's not fast, but it can move in any given direction. I'm going to make my way towards the ship and uh, just be like, Hey, Silly, I forgot to, you know, ask Juan, Tutti, or Theresa. Is there, like, some sort of code or way to help identify us as friends so they don't immediately shoot me as soon as I get close? I will remind you that you are wearing a Winter Alliance uniform. Well, I don't know if the camera out at sensors are working or not. I'm just being extra careful. Well, also, you don't know the status of, of what's going on inside the crew. You never did a scan, a naughty or nice scan. So the crew is in the sh- in is near. You don't the... know that. You, oh. you guys never did the naughty or nice scan, so you didn't get more information. You can still do it. It's just that Bethany now Bethany's on scanners, and um, Bethany has lost her expertise ah. because a quarter of her bees are gone. You can assist. Yes, I can also go back to the. Sh- I I can. I'm in both places at once. So it's true. You are the communication device. <laughs> Would you like me to have Bethany scan? Uh, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> I'm. I, I. I guess how you experience it is, it's just there's like a loading, like a loading music in your helmet. <laughs> and, and I'm like, my orb is now in front of Bethany. Hello, Bethany. You do not look well. I need your help with something. Can you please scan down by where the back is? There is a shimmy and a buzz, which you interpret as, I will do my best. 
You can assist. You'll need to roll a laser's roll to do calculations to assist. All right, I will do that. Bethany is not prepared for this, but Bethany has lost her expertise because they have it, because a panel exploded on them. Uh, so there's the best they can do is two d is two d six if you succeed. I have rolled a two. Okay, so you have successfully rolled under your laser's number. I have. So go ahead and roll two d six for Bethany. Wait, did she lose her expertise or the ability to be prepared? Oh, her ability to be prepared. Then she would still have expertise. She would still have her expertise. And also, uh, the ship has superior sensors, so I'm just going to give you another D6. So that's 4D6. With a 4D6, Bethany rolls a 5. Laser feelings. A 1, a 2, and a 6. So, uh, laser feelings. Bethany can ask me an additional question about the scan. So you can ask on Bethany's behalf of me. Yes. And also, three of the dice have succeeded, so they're going to get um, an extra effect on top of this scan. All right. So maybe... <laughs> oh, well, now, if you helped with the scan. It makes more sense that you get to ask. Well, I was just going to ask you if you had any ideas what, what you would want to ask. So the first thing that popped into my head since it's with scanners is, like, besides if it's naughty or nice, maybe be able to tell if like there are any traps or anything like that set to the door or like if there's a malfunction with the airlock that'll just only like blast me out as soon as like I go to try to get in. Not that we're in space, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So I guess that would be a what should I be looking for kind of a thing. Yeah. Bethany should be looking for locations of the crew. Additional traps or problems uh, with this sack. And I'm also going to give you, as your extra effect, that she's able to do a diagnostic scan of the sack to tell you what kinds of repairs may or may not be required. So currently, there are fortifications built up around the sack. The sack has three Ankh-Morporkians inside of it, um, one stationed at the door, and two mucking about with the panels. There are two cages set up immediately outside of the sack with six Cupid crew member life signs, uh, the faceless life signs. Two of those life signs are very weak. Uh, so in terms of a diagnostic, there has been hull damage and there's a malfunction in the life support system. So if you try and leave atmosphere, you're going to get a leak. But on the bright side, the sack's thrusters are online. The drive system is perfectly intact. Since now we're down here and not cloaked on the ship, would you be able to get into the systems of the sack? There needs to be at least like a, a, a Wi-Fi connection. So you need to get the communicator into the sack in order for Seely to have access. Isn't the sack filled with pair phones, but they're off, correct? Yes, they are off. Okay. They are all in boxes. Okay. Yeah, wouldn't there have been a communication device within the ship, though? Yes, but that's like shortwave communication meant for an uplink directly to a tow vessel. Remember, the the crew of the Cupid, the faceless crew, uh, are in cages outside of the ship. Oh, outside? Yes, they're outside. They're not inside. Are they electronic cages? They're bamboo and wicker, primitive cages, because a planet that has fighter ship and blaster technology 
still uses bamboo cages. Yeah. Because the, the, popular could space Could they get show. themselves out if it was bamboo cages? They, they're under guard. Oh. The net, it's sapping my strength. There's there's one guard stationed staring directly at the cages instead of out looking for threats. Because popular space show. Yes. Okay. Um. I need to save them. But do we? I can feel it in my soul. Yes. Well, I mean, they might know another way in, and they are family. Yes, 12 people capable of buying new pair phones. I agree. They are family. And that amorphous blob of a person looks like Dan. I met him at the failed, uh, <coughs> at the failed union meeting. You know what? I want you to make me a, um, a feelings role. I will say yes. that you're an expert at this. And because you have met Dan before, you are prepared. Roll me 3d6. Yes! Feelings! So that would be, if we're going feelings, that's three passes, one of them being a laser feelings. Okay, so you can ask me an additional question about this situation. Of course. Uh, this is a role to recognize to see if that's Dan. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Right. Do I, would I be able to know that Dan is like what's his role in the ship is he also a sh soldier and if and like is, is he a good soldier is pretty much what i'm trying to get at that is dan that's a hundred percent dan and because you succeeded three times that's a critical success dan sees you he makes eye contact and you share a moment from a hundred meters away you share a moment locking eyes with one another across that wide distance dan is a good soldier and you and Dan, you're blood brothers. That is Dan. Don't worry, brother. I'll save you. And that's the extra effect. Dan will ride or die for you. Oh, and I will fully ride or die and die and die and die and die and die for Dan. Okay. And you now have a moment where you can, not telepathically, but you can, with feelings, communicate with one another. What do you wish to communicate to Dan? Keep his attention. And I'll take him out from behind. Dan whispers to one of the other faceless next to him. And that faceless immediately falls over and starts convulsing. And the guard runs up to the, to the cage. What do you do? I'm going to, as quickly and quietly as possible, go rush, to rush towards the guard and try to take him out from behind. Like the wharf just going up and snapping people's necks randomly on Star Trek. <laughs> um, I was thinking that your fingers interlaced axe handle chop. Very Kirk chop. Oh, yes, no, the, the double overhand axe hand? Yes, the Kirk yes. chop. <laughs> You're a soldier. You're an expert at this. Um, give me a, and I'm assuming this is passionate at combat. Wow. Um, of course. Yeah, give me, and you have Dan's help because the guard is distracted. Um, so give me a 3d6. Feelings roll. That is three successes with a laser feelings again. All right. Uh, you Kirk chop this Ankh um, Morporkian guard in the back of the head. He goes down. He is instantly unconscious. And as he goes down, his body crashes into the cage, snapping it open, opening the cage for you. Um, that's your extra success for your critical. Also, with your laser feelings, uh, what? Uh, why don't you ask me another question? Does the guard have a communication device or 
I guess in this situation, communication, like something that would help identify him as him or no, let's go with communication device. I want to see if I can overhear on the walkie talkie. Okay. Yes. This Ankhmor Porkian guard does in fact have a, a communication setup. They have this, uh, that, that shoulder, that shoulder button break or break. What's your status? I turn to Dan. Wow. This race is just all over the place. Technologically. They are. Because popular space show. <laughs> Dan, and I go up to him and do like the forearm grasp. Yes. Dan, faceless Dan, forearm grasp. Um, and now you have freed six uh, of the faceless Cupid crew. And the, I'll say that this is the ca- this cage you opened. Uh, all of them are healthy. The two injured, the two most grievously injured ones are in the cage, are in the still locked cage across from you. What do you do? I'm gonna turn to Dan and gesture towards the cage and say, "I think this one's all you." Dan, knowing exactly what he needs to do, rushes to the cage. He re- reaches down, grabs the guard's key, runs over to the cage, unlocks it, and lets his people out. Lets lets his Cupid crew members out. You now have ten healthy Cupid crew members and two grievously injured. So four of your Cupid of your healthy Cupid crew members are Cupid. Wow, I did not think this through when I chose Cupid. Um, uh. <laughs> four of your Cupid crew members are going to, like, on either side of the injured one, help them walk. So you have six... Okay, Cupid. Perfect. Six okay Cupids to help you. Okay. All right. I'm assuming one of them is Dan. One of them is absolutely Dan. Dan is ride or die. Okay. Let, I cannot communicate to you how ride or die Dan is to you. Yeah. I mean, he's so ride or die, I can recognize him as an amorphous, indistinct blob from 100 meters. Exactly. And lock eyes and share an empathic communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because laser feelings and critical success. Laser feelings. This game is so silly. <laughs> All right. I like that I went full feelings with Chris Masterson, and he's proving to be the best soldier ever. Yes. It's all feeling. <laughs> action and action. <laughs> Kirk chops. Ha. Um, oh yeah. All right. What do you do now? You now have, you have now successfully, uh, uh, freed the okay cupids. If it remind me if I'm wrong, there's another one of these guys on the inside of the door. Yeah. You have a, um, a red and green holographic display on your payphone communication device, uh, that shows you the like heat signatures inside. Um, you can see that there are, there is one facing the door with weapon drawn and armed. And also there are two mucking about with the panel inside. There is only one opening to this cargo container and it's at the back. Well, I, I do have a question because you mentioned that there's hole damage. Yes. So the, that means there's a hole in the hole. Yes, but it's a small hole. It's, it's, it would be, it would cause an oxygen leak, not a big enough for a person to get through. I'm not worried about a person getting through. I want to know if maybe a phone or a watch could be slipped in. You magnificent bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I love this idea, by the way. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. It's just specified we had to get something inside. I'm going to say you're prepared for this. And Dan would help me. He's ride or die. Dan would help you. And because of the nature of the faceless, I didn't give them numbers, so they're just going to help you. And there's enough of them that you'll get at least one. Uh, so that's going to be 3d6. This feels like a laser, because this is calm, precise action. Okay, that's, that's fair. I, I can't think of a good argument to make this about passionately looking for the hole. 
Okay. This is a family show. Yes. This is definitely a family show. That's two fails, but I got a laser feelings. All right, so that's one success. So you barely manage it. There is a hole. It is large enough for a pair watch, but not a pair phone. So Cecilie's so uh, uplink capability will be limited using the pair watch. But Celie could theoretically cause all kinds of stuff to happen on this sack. I could manipulate the sack. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> I'm going to say that this is going to give you more, give you more leeway in help actions when you do something. Okay. Um, so I'm going to slip my. Oh, also, uh, you get an additional question. Right. Um. And it has to be about the hole? Something related to the situation. Okay. Um, how about, what, do you, do you have any questions? I mean, I guess my question, and I don't know if you would even want to use this question, is like, once the watch is inside of, of the hole, like, what kind of systems are there? Is that a question you would want to ask? I mean, yeah, that, that works for me. It's better than anything I was thinking of. Seely, you will have control of the sack doors. Uh, you also have control of life support. Life support also includes like room illumination and stuff. Does that include like the vents? It does include vents. Well, it's a spaceship, so. Well, I guess when my question is, is there a, a fan blowing in and out? Because um, in a spaceship, you would have like air being pushed into or, or oxygen being pushed into the areas where people would be it's essentially all it is is just a big empty cargo space with a panel on the front end and a door in the back end and thrusters on the side that's all it is it's not typically crude it's a cargo thing but in the emergency time space compression breach these 12 crew members escaped to this cargo sack okay yeah i i guess really what my question was is can i suck the oxygen out of it well you're on the planet and there's a hole in the ship so not really not really, because you'd have to seal the hole. Yes. Okay. That's the situation. So, Siri, you... Sorry. So, Seely, you have control of the doors, the lights, and the uh, atmosphere. You cannot pilot the ship from a pair watch. Mm. Okay. Um, and the doors are where the guy's standing facing holding his gun, right? The doors are open, and the guy is just is standing guard outside at, at the ready. And the other two are mucking about with the panel inside. From so, Wait, he's outside? He's, he's at the door specifically? He's like at the door on the ramp leading. To, like, you know. Do I have control of the ramp? You do have control of the ramp as well. And he's literally at the door. He's at the door on the ramp. How like, heavy are the doors? Pretty heavy. Sealy closes the doors repeatedly into him. Okay, make a... This feels like passion. Um, but I'm not necessarily angry about it. You're doing a very ferocious action. Convince me that this is a laser's role. Well, it's technology, so it requires a technological expertise in order to do it. Um, there are different... Like, the doors are probably complex and complicated. I'm, I'm guessing there's several 
gears having to open and close the doors. They are space doors. It's space doors. It's <laughs> it, it has to be done meticulously, which means that it's a laser roll. All right, cool. So go ahead and give me 1d6. It's a 1d6 laser roll. Steely rolls a 1d6, and it comes up as a 1. Which is a successful laser's roll. The doors close, and open and close, and open and close, and the Ankh-Morporkian guard is essentially like beaten to a pulp and rolls down the ramp. Unfortunately, the consequence of this, the complication, is that now the two other Ankh-Morporkians inside are alerted to the presence of something strange going on. And they are now at the ready. By the way, to be clear, I'm going to pick up the the gun of the Ankhmoporian that was guarding the ga- the cages and hand that to Dan. Cool. Dan is now armed. Stuff has popped off. The, the, open, the doors have opened and closed. You've got some Ankhmoporkians inside who are now at the ready. You can see on the little screen loadout from Bethany's scans that their weapons are drawn and they're aimed at the door. And they're now on either side of the pair phones, using the pair phone boxes as cover. Not the pair phones. Oh, no. I turned the lights on off on the ship. All of the lights. The doors are closed and the lights are off? Yes. Okay. You can see on the scan that they're starting to, like, wildly flail about. Do I have control of the communications? Uh, not enough communications. Okay. The pair phone would need to be in direct contact with the panel. Okay. So the lights are off. And the doors are closed. Yes. All right. Chris Evergreen Masterson. So what do you do? Chris Evergreen Masterson is going to get Dan and, like, do, like, the military soldier motions. At one point, his hands start doing, like, this is a church, this is a steeple, open it up, and inside are the people. And just, like, a bunch of overly complicated hand signs that translates to, you stand there, I stand here, be ready to charge in and shoot if things go badly. Because of your earlier role with Dan and Dan is ride or die, Dan knows exactly what you mean. And he gets into position and he positions the other four, the other five healthy, uh, faceless okay cupids in a pattern. And each of them has picked up sticks and rocks and stuff and they're ready to bash brains in. Chris, when you are ready, I can open the doors. And then I can shutter the lights on and off so they are confused. Well, wouldn't we be in the light and easy for them to shoot, and then they would be in the flashing lights and harder for us to shoot? Not if you lure them out. Ah, one second. And I reach into, like, my back pocket and pull out two clasps and just, like, click them and boom, two large fans. (laughs) This is the perfect time for a fan dance. One second. As I just start stripping off (laughs) all my clothing. Are you trying to lure them out with your body? I do not think this is a good plan. I do not ever remember this plan failing. Dan, do you ever remember this plan failing? Oh boy. (laughs) Dan is just watching and he's waiting, but you can tell that Dan is intrigued. (laughs) So yes, I will count this as preparation. I just sigh. (laughs) Celie, go ahead and roll a lasers roll. Sure. I have rolled a four. Laser feelings. All right, um, you can ask me an additional question about the situation. Okay, what would lure them out? <laughs> I mean, the, surprisingly, the fan dance actually might work because it worked oh. in popular space show movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. 
This isn't just us being pervs. It's it is a it is a popular space show reference. This, this is the thing that actually happened in one of the movies, and it worked. <laughs> and to be clear, this was one of the movies where like all the actors were already old. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Listen, Nichelle Nichols is a freaking treasure. Agreed. So, no arguing that point. So. You're just going to stand by the door. And do a seductive dance. And do a seductive dance. Uh, yes. <laughs> Where, like, no matter what, they don't see anything inappropriate because of how I move the large feathery fans. Exactly. They're just like, mm, yeah, let me get those fans. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. they're interested in the fans. Sure. Humanoids are very weird. <laughs> That's a D6 of help. I feel in my heart that Chris Masterson is an expert of this. Because he is awesome. You know what? I'm going to let it happen. You are prepared because you've stripped, <laughs> down, because you've stripped down and you have the fans at the ready. Um, you are an expert at this. Uh, it is a regular old D6. You have assistance from Seely. Uh, so that's four D6. Give me a passionate feelings roll. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I just play Chris Masterson in the other campaign too? We have to actually play the other campaign for that to happen. Fair. That's fair. All right. So 3d6, right? 4d6. Oh, 4d6. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it would be so difficult for this to fail. You would have to roll all ones. Oh, no, I didn't get any laser feelings, but I got four successes. Okay, so that is a critical success. <laughs> Both of the Ankh-Morporkian guards immediately stand up, put their weapons down, walk around the pair phones <laughs> uh, that they were using as cover, and walk out to you, drop to their knees, and they start worshiping you. <laughs> um, okay. At which point, as I'm about to, like, enthrall them more, Dan and the others just come up and bludgeon and kill yeah, They are immediately set upon by the faceless OK Cupids and beaten to death with sticks and rocks. <laughs> like, like, they have guns, too. Like, there's probably guns around, but they just beat them to death with rocks. <laughs> So anyway, um, so now you have two more Ankh-Morporkian rifles, and you now have your hands on the sack. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get dressed again. Like, just like that never happened. <laughs> I'm erasing this from my memory. <laughs> yes. Now for the chase scene. You have control of the sack. Seely, I'm assuming you're going to seal the, the cargo doors. Yes. May I, uh, while they're setting up, can I go back to the bomber, which has been established to still be in working condition, and use that to assist? It does have two seats. Damn. <laughs> You're like wingman. <laughs> so do you leave your, do you leave your pair phone or do you just leave your pair watch? It will determine how much Seely can help you. I mean, if I could get my pair watch back so that I can remain in communication. I'm going to make you make a choice here. You could theoretically get it out, but it would widen the hull breach. Wait, I'll just take one of the pair phones from the... Back. Ah, I'm assuming you'll be charged for it later. You have to activate it. Well, you will be charged for it immediately. I have access to your bank account. Excellent use. Uh, perfect. You set that up. That's going to take like... An hour because you need to get like genius support. I'm sorry. Uh, what's another word for genius? Uh, savant support. <laughs> yeah, you need to get like a connection through to savant support in order to get his uh, account activated on two pair phones at the same time. 
which, you know, normally is a breach in the terms of contract. But, you know, in this case, it will just result in an additional fee. How many space books do you have in your account? Oh, wait, I can look that up. You know exactly how many he has. <laughs> Does he have enough? It's a write-off, right? No, but he can get a pair loan. He can. I have charged it to your credit cards. Your space credit cards. All right. Perfect. So now you have an activated Pairphone 13. Uh, this is the reward for being the awesome, flawless hero I am. Yes. <laughs> yes. Much credit card debt. Now I have a question for you. Do you want to keep your Pairphone 12 with you or take the Pairphone 13 and leave your Pairphone 12 behind? I'll leave the Pairphone 12 and take the Pairphone 13. Okay, perfect. But to be clear, uh, Seely, they are not piloting because the amorphous blobs are there and able to pilot. The amorphous blobs are there and able to pilot. Um, I will say that they are threes. Um, and since it takes an hour to activate my Pairphone, would we be able to, like, rudimentary, like, put a rudimentary fix on the hole? Since it's a small hole, like, patch it up with additional metal that, like, for a temporary seal so that we don't have to worry as much about oxygen for uh, Dan's crew members? Interesting. I'm going to need a lasers roll from the okay, Faithless OK Cupids. Um, they are crew members, so they are, let's say they're experts at this. Uh, they have limited resources, though, so this is not prepared. So this is going to be a 2d6. Um, and this is them either all working together as a unit and therefore do not get help, or they could try and help each other with roles that could make things worse. This is a decision because it could go well or it could go poorly. Their number is a three. It's a laser's role. Let's do the one where it has the least risk of going poorly right now. I agree with that. 2d6. All right, roll it. You're looking for three and under. That's a two and a one. Perfect. Two successes. They do it well. Good job. There will no longer be an oxygen leak. Chris Masterson and Faceless Dan are uh, heading toward the bomber. The other OK Cupids are now inside the sack. Seely, you have full communication with the sack. You are now pairphone paired with the sack. We are pairphone paired. Yes. You now have a pair in the sack. And you've covered the hole. All right, cool. It's time for the escape. Does Seely pilot the ship or do the OK Cupids pilot it? I think the OK Cupids will pilot the ship, since I am already piloting a ship. All right, so are they more of passionate flyers or lasers fl- or, or cold, dispassionate flyers? Um, their scores are three. I mean, I feel like they've just been, you know, imprisoned. They just managed to kill some of their captors. It's about to, like, finally get off this planet they've been stuck on. I, I feel like this is an emotional moment for them. Yeah. Feelings are riding high. You have two hours before you don't have enough fuel. I'm going to tell you this now. It will take you half an hour to get into position. To do the docking sequence, it will take 30 minutes. Uh, you'll basically have one hour before you run out of fuel. The docking clamp is 70% complete. You're going to cut it real close. The docking clamp will be incomplete unless you wait. And then you're going to have very limited time before you don't have enough fuel. Yeah. Sorry, got to step away for a second. Discuss the plan amongst yourselves. We have to get more fuel, it seems like. Or we have to take the people who are working on the transporter devices to work on the docking. Fix the teleporters. I mean, he told us where fuel was because that was my laser feelings question. Once the teleporters are fixed, you can steal more fuel. We'll have more time. And that's when we do the escape. Yeah, that makes sense. Because we could just teleport people there and back as long as the teleporters are fixed. Yeah, because that was like... 
the whole point of me asking where would I be able to get fuel because, you know. I mean, one of the things that we could do is also, like, figure out how long the teleporters are going to take, too. We should probably ask the people on the ship that. It is going to be in time, though. We know it's going to be on time because that was already established. Yeah, and it just would have cut uh, short on time because of fuel, but if we're able to steal fuel from the info I got, then... Then we're fine. Yeah. All right, I think our plan is set. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, can we just appreciate that I thought Chris Masterson was going to be dying every five minutes, but he keeps on being awesome at everything? You you are on (laughs) mission. You are on mission here. These rolls have been really good. Yeah, I mean, granted... The first thing was I rolled two sixes when I had to roll a five or below to not get teleported into space. Insane. But since then, I think, like, these last two rolls are the only ones I've done in a minute that weren't laser feelings. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's been a lot of laser feelings. I was really expecting that to be a rare occurrence and not just, like... Yeah. I mean, when it's only a D6 and we're arguing our way up to, like, three to five D6... Pretty good. Yeah. I'm also having a lot of fun arguing how I'm doing everything very emotionally. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I, I, I do like these characters, too. Oh, yeah. So let me just sum up with the situation as I recall as it's going on. Chris Evergreen Masterson and Faceless Dan uh, are now in the bomber uh, with the busted instrument panel. And the other 11 OK Cupids are in the sack. We did bring in the injured ones, right? Yes, the injured ones are, are there. They're being tended to by their fellow OKCupids. Okay. They're in the sack with a paired Pairphone 12, allowing Seely to possibly control the ship. However, if I remember correctly, you specified that the, uh, that the OKCupids will be piloting. Yes. And on the solstice, the docking clamp is not complete, but it is currently being worked on by Scotty LaForge. The teleporters are back online, but the panels will explode, causing injury to anyone who tries to use them. So sacrifices must be made to use the teleporter. I thought that we were still at the point where we were deciding whether to finish the teleporter properly or send them to the clamp. No, the teleporter definitely got finished. It's just that it's a death trap. Who is the most expendable part of our crew? Currently in the Ankhmore Porky and Bomber. Ah, yes. Who is the second most expendable member of our crew? Not to be a butthole. But theoretically, wouldn't Bethany be able to set everything up and then just leave like a couple bees and move away and then activate the teleporter? They would need to have enough bees to control the panel. So it would definitely be injurious to her. And he doesn't know that she's lost many bees. It's true. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. All right. Cool. You have about two hours of fuel left on the ship before you don't have enough fuel to escape. Finishing the docking clamp will take another hour. So the plan that we were discussing was, because as part of the laser feelings rolls I rolled earlier, we know where there's fuel. True. They gave us the location. So, like, wouldn't we be able to teleport? I mean, we'd have to figure out a way to do it without killing Bethany. Also a way to teleport fuel into a room with a known explosive panels. Wait, but we don't have to teleport it back to the... We have to teleport it back to the room, the teleporter room? So the way the way it works is that it has to go from point A to the room to point B. If, we're, if it works with the same physics as Popular Space Show, when things get teleported, 
they are held within a buffering space and then sent to the second location. They don't actually appear within that room. The room simply has the buffering space. True. It's a little nebulous on whether, like, because here's the thing that I always wondered about in Popular Space Show. They don't seem to be able to replicate dilithium. So they can't do that with fuel. But they can use the transporter to move cargo that is complicated from one point to another. But like, but, but replication technology can't make like subtle chemical things, but they can transport them. So I guess that means to me that fuel can be teleported. Yep. So, all right, I will allow this because space show physics. Aha. Remembering a really random episode of space show. Pays off. I mean, it's not so random. It ha- the, the pattern buffer appears in many episodes of popular space show. No, of course. I'm just thinking of an episode where the plot line was resolution turned out that the important person was in buffering space. Oh, yes. Memory. Yes, yes, yes. The, I, I was thinking of popular space show, two letters and a number, where the crew is transported and then they are buffered and they end up in a hologram program as villains in a James Bond ripoff. Yes, that one too. Popular space show. Cheers. Did you enjoy this conversation? <laughs> yes, it's very interesting <laughs> hearing all about the ridiculousness of popular space show. Maybe one day I'll actually watch popular space show. I'm I'm more interested in popular space movie, which also has spinoff shows. Very different physics. True. <laughs> all right. So that's the situation as I understand it. So what's the plan? This is what I think we should do. because. The moment the sack starts moving, that's going to draw attention. Yes. And the moment the solstice decloaks to teleport the fuel onto them, that's also going to draw attention. Both of these things are true. And how many uh, bombers are left out there? Well, I said three can cover a planet, so I'm going to say that there's two others out there. Okay. So Chris Masterson, being awesome and confident, feels that he can take on two enemy ships while piloting one of their ships and work as a distraction while the Solstice takes that moment to decloak and steal fuel, drawing atten- any other attention away for backup for a moment, while well, they're not, the sack... They're not fly- I hate to put a, a fly in your ointment, but they're not flying in formation. They're at like different places. No, of course, I understand yeah. that. Um... I'm going to go out and meet one, and then, like, while handling that one, the other one will either have to, like, try to go after the Solstice, which I think should decloak and try to steal the fuel first, because they'll have an easier time cloaking again, and then getting into reposition to then meet up with the sack. And then after I handle the first part of the first fighter, I should be able to handle the second one if things go well. And besides, what can't I do without my wingman Dan? High five. So this seems like a perfectly reasonable plan. It will come down to rolls. Okay. That plan work with you to something? Yes, that, that plan works with me. Two advertising breaks in one episode got zooks. In all seriousness, given the new longer format of our show, we can use this space for anything, not just ads. 
So if you have an idea of something that you'd like to see this episode space used for, I'll be happy to read your suggestions by email at rfadpod at gmail.com. You have set up a plan. Everybody gets a preparation die. Yes. So now your baseline is going to be 2d6. The solstice gets in position in orbit above the Ankh-Morporkian refueling station. Who's giving the signal? Well, Chris Masterson would be the one kicking it off because the moment I start unleashing on one of the jets, that's when things would like really start going. So I'm going to say that these bombers, they are well-armed fighter craft. But they also have horrible circuit breakers. They would be blown up rather easily by another well-armed ship. The Solstice does not have powerful weapons or powerful shields, so the Solstice would have trouble fighting one of these. But another bomber, they would be evenly matched. That will determine what kind of additional bonuses that you get for like ship expertise for your roles. So if you can convince me why the Ankh-Morporkian bomber would have expertise in a situation, you can get another D6. Understood? Understood. So, when you pop this off, that's when the OK Cupids will take off and begin um, exiting atmosphere and begin docking maneuvers. During this time, during the setup, the docking clamp is getting finished. You have one hour before your fuel is insufficient for escape. And it takes a half an hour for the docking maneuvers, during which time your ship must be decloaked. Docking maneuvers? In order to do the docking maneuvers, you're going to need to decloak. Okay. So you're going to cut it real close to the wire. But we would be getting more, we'd be getting more We're fuel getting more fuel the while maneuvers. they're doing that. Unless something goes wrong. Remember, it comes down to, to rolls. Okay. Okay. So I'm waiting for the signal in the teleportation bay with Bethany. All right, so Bethany is there. I don't have a body, but I can communicate to Bethany because I'm everywhere. She can hear me. I can announce it over the loudspeaker. And each of her bees does have an alperophone. Yes, so each bee has a mini bee parafone, the bee edition that they're carrying at all times. The the nano, the the parafone nano. Yes, the parafone nano. They also have parafone nano watches as well. Okay, so fine. The bees have Parafone Nanos. So you are able to communicate with Bethany. Yes. <laughs> so I can get, I, once I know the signal, I can let Bethany know that it's a go. Well, the signal is probably going to be a dogfight happening. And chances are the second bomber will go to start going towards me while I'm fighting the first before you decloak. You won't know anything until you roll because you could have a lot of success or you could have complications or you can have great success. What I'm saying is that Celie would know what was happening because Celie is not only on the ship, uh, the solstice, but also with Chris and also with the the faceless abominations in the sack. Yes. Uh, all right. Yes. You have situational awareness of everything that's going on, um, but you can only control one thing at a time. Yes. Yeah, so I can. O- but, okay. That's fair. I just, okay. I will know when the signal happens because I know. Everything. Vaguely what's happening in all places. Yes. 
Yes. I'm sorry that this character does that, by the way. No, it's perfectly fine. It, it, it means there's a shortcut for communication purposes. Everybody, it means that everybody knows everything. I like that you got to play anything you wanted for a space campaign and you chose the phone. I play the phone. Yes. <laughs> um, well, all right. I, I, I don't even have arms. I'm not really sure how I played Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> a, panel, a panel opened up on the wall with little robot arms. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Chris Evergreen Masterson. Tell me what you want to do. Right. Just as a quick reminder, what did they call me? What to? When I first got on the bomber. Oh, that was that was an hour ago. I don't remember that. Um, I, Porky two. Porky two. Yes. Okay. Also, roll for Dan in your co-pilot uh, seat, just for to to see if he gives you the help action successfully. Remember, Dan's number is a three, and I'm going to say this is passion. Six. So you rolled above. Dan puts a hand on your shoulder from behind you, and Dan says, we got this. You have an additional D6 for whatever you're going to do. Um, Chris Masterson looks towards Dan and nods in a deeply homoerotic way, and he starts to take off. I am going to fly towards the one that is farther from the solstice. Okay. And... As I fly close, I'm just going to get on the speaker and just go, uh, this is uh, Porky 2. Uh, are you reading the same thing I'm reading? Porky 2, this is Porky 3. Uh, I'm not sure what you're reading. Could you please elaborate? I'm just getting a, a weird reading over by you. It's uh, roughly uh, uh, what's a good distance in space. Um, 100 kilometers. Yeah, about uh, uh, 150 kilometers uh, towards your, uh, the, I can't say east, because there's no... I guess equatorial. <laughs> yeah, towards your equatorial? Uh, Porky 2, we're not seeing anything on our sensors. Uh, we'll come with you to investigate. Banking? Roger that. Over. And when they're getting close and we start, like, banking off to uh, investigate the thing that I made up, yep. I'm gonna... Pull back a bit. I need to keep Bethany safe. This is for you, hun. And start shooting at Porky 3 from behind. Right, so this is definitely feelings because you're doing it for your on-again, off-again uh, lover. You have 3d6 already because this is a role. You are prepared and you have Dan helping you. Do you want to finesse this some more? So yeah, I feel like I would get expertise from the craft. Yes, yes, yes. From the Ankhmore Pork and Bomber. So yeah, all right. So you're going to give me 4d6. And to be clear, the preparedness counts as a surprise, right? Yeah, the preparedness counts for the surprise. You know what? Make it five. This is well-armed. Yes. And that is one failure, but four successes and two... Laser feelings. So, yes, um, you get a critical success. You fire on them, and the extra effect is they don't even get a warning off. The explosion happens, yes. and there is no communication between that ship and the others. Now you get two questions. I think in this situation, I'm going to forego the questions because Chris is running hard on emotions and it's just going to be acting on impulse and not really examining everything. So I'm going to say you can keep a laser feelings in your pocket for a future situation. Sounds good. All right. So as soon as it's destroyed and it goes that smoothly, I'm going to try to bullshit and be like, uh, this is Porky 2 to Porky 1. Something just happened. Porky 3 exploded. Porky 2, this is Porky 1. What do you mean Porky 3 exploded? 
I don't know. Maybe they're able to attack while cloaked. There was suddenly an attack, and and Porky three is is gone. I'm trying to fly with evasive maneuvers, but I I could show you some backup. Porky two, do you have eyes on the enemy vessel? I cannot see anything. Porky two, coming to your position. Roger. On intercept course. Hold steady. Maintain evasive maneuvers. And I'm going to attempt the same exact thing. All right. Well, we're going to hold on that because at this point, the OK Cupids are going to fire up the engines and start moving. Because of your assistance, they're going to get an extra D6 of help because the fighter is no longer in their way. So this is going to be a feelings roll. Their number is a three. They have a 2D6 base plus 1D6 for help. So they have 3D6 right now. Um, they are trying to get into docking maneuvers. Do they get either expertise or the prepared roll to get them up to four? They already have the prepared roll. That was the baseline too. Okay. Would they not be expertise on flying their own ship? This ship is not able to be flied expertly. This is a cargo container with engines. Gotcha. Okay. Would uh, Sealy be able to assist them some more? If Sealy foregoes their expertise in their role, mm. then they could provide help. Because remember, Sealy can be everywhere at once, but can only control one thing at a time. And I'm not yet going for the fuel. I'm waiting till we get... Is that correct? This is all happening simultaneously. Okay, this is all happening at the same time. But I couldn't do both. You can do both. It will just cost you. Like, you have to either choose to get help these people or, like, choose to help with the teleporter. Yeah, you can either focus on your teleportation or focus on helping them fly into a docking pattern. Or your help will basically be turning on and off the stealth, in such a, the stealth mode in such a way. That's what I would like to help with. Then that's going to wait. So then they're only a 3d6 right now. So can I get a feelings piloting roll from the OK Cupids? Right. You want to roll this one? Yeah, I can do this one. 3d6. They rolled a 5, a 4, and a 5. So that is three successes. They are tremendously successful. They managed to evade the defenses. They have left orbit, but your ship is still cloaked. And the benefit they give is that now planetary defenses are confused. So I uncloak the solstice. All right, good. So go ahead and roll me a lasers roll with prepared, so that's 2d6, to see if you can give help to Bethany. Okay. Lasers roll, we got one and one. So that is two successes. You've done it well, good job. You have given uh, Bethany the help action. Uh, so now Bethany has 3d6, and because of the extra effect from the OK Cupids, Bethany's going to get 4d6 because of the disarray of the Ankhmoporkian ground crews. So this was a laser's roll. Bethany's number is 5. Okay, the roll was a 3 of 5. Laser feelings. A 6 and a 1. So that is three successes. Some extra effect. Bethany is so ready that when the panels explode, her bees have already retreated. So Bethany is uninjured. The fuel is now on board and site-to-site teleported to the engineering room, where Scotty is able to, to move the fuel crystals into the time-space compression drive chamber and refuel the ship. You now have all the fuel you need for a docking maneuver. You are uncloaked. You are now in a docking orbit with the OK Cupids. I'm going to need a laser piloting check from Sealy to dock with the OK Cupids. I'm going to, that's a baseline 2d6. Okay, I do get an expertise on that. 
So you have 3d6. I rolled a 3d6, a 1, a 3, and a 4. So that is a critical success. The extra effect is that the clamp built by Scotty LaForge doesn't fail. (laughs) (laughs) There's like duct tape on it, but like it works. That was a definite thing that was going to happen, but you've successfully rolled out of that consequence. You have the pair phones, you have all of the OK Cupids, you have plenty of fuel to time space compression bubble out. Congratulations. You have successfully completed all mission objectives, except that Chris Masterson and Dan are still in dogfighting combat with the bombers. So you haven't jumped out yet. Chris, may I take your laser feelings? Go ahead. With Bethany's laser feelings, with Celie's laser feelings, and your laser feelings combined, you know that this Ankhmor Porky and Bomber figured out that you were a problem. But now their attention is divided because their objective is the ship that is now docked. They're like three quarters of the way to you. They turn around and start moving. I've used your laser feelings to give you an advantageous position. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You are now on their six, but they are headed toward uh, the solstice, which is fast, but is also towing cargo. So it's negating your fast. Oh no. And I turn to Dan. Bethany's on there. And I will rush after them. Dan is going to lean forward and like with, and whisper to you, listen, I know this is really like the appropriate time, but um, how solid are you and Bethany? I mean, I, I really like her, but I feel like every time I try to get close, something happens. And it just isn't working out. I don't know. I, I care about her, but now that you're asking me, I'm, I guess I have my doubts. You know what? I feel like we should talk more about this. This is really important, and it's, it's important to feel your feelings, you know? You're right. Thank you, Dan. When we're at the spaceport, why don't I buy you a drink? You know what? I think I would like that. Oh, sh- the ship! <laughs> yes! All the feelings are out now. Let's go and do the mission, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, this is a very feelings-heavy bomber right now. All right, cool. <laughs> feelings are icky. Please stop this. Because this wasn't part of the preparation, you're not prepared for this. Roll a feelings roll to see if Dan's conversation has helped you or hurt you. 1d6 feelings with a 3 as your number. 2. Okay, so that's not successful. Um, so you're distracted. Fair. And I've already taken away your preparation. I'm going to also take away one of your d6s from your ship being a fighter. You're still well armed. So you still have an additional D6 for blowing that other ship out of the sky. So you're at 2D6 only. Okay. I have to roll above my feelings? Yes. That is two successes with a four and a three. You do it well. Good job. So this bomber is headed toward the solstice, and you can see that their blasters are charging up. You can see the little red glow appearing, and you just use your feelings. Pull the trigger fire directly into their engine, blowing up the Ankh-Morporkian fighter, and you fly up right next to the solstice and give a little salute through the viewport window as you fly alongside. So you can dock the fighter with the solstice in order to get um, yourself out of the fighter, but without a proper clamp, you can't take the fighter with you, unless you want to roll for it. A laser's roll from 
Chris Evergreen Masterson. And if I fail, we would probably die. You would probably die, yes. <laughs> I see no downside to this. Out of character, I don't want to lose Dan. Oh, you just had that moment, too. Yeah. Exactly. Chris Masterson's like, I'm, I'm fine taking this risk. I can survive anything. I have survived everything except love. Okay, we're docking. And not to keep the ship, but to... Okay, you have managed to move um, through the umbilical between the two ships. You release the docking clamps on the Ankh-Morporkian bomber, uh, and it drifts away out into space as your time-space compression bubble forms and compresses into a tiny little bead, and a single point of light blasts forth toward the nearest Winter Alliance star system. Captain Krampus emerges from the healing pod. Well, what did I miss? And now the epilogue. <laughs> Chris Masterson sees Bethany, realizes a conversation they have to have, has a sudden panic attack, his heart stops, and he drops dead. A panel opens, and your bank balance is shown to you, and you have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> you have, like, negative 10,000 yes. space bucks. How expensive is a phone? Oh, no, it's not just the phone. It's also Savant Pair Care Services fee, double activation fee, the emergency activation fee, the Sealy Assistance fee. I'm charging you at the moment. I like that Celie is charging me for assisting her in this situation. Yep. Assisting them. Yes. I have no gender. But also, I am not a person, so you are not really assisting a person. I am here to assist you. You're the person in a corporate sense. Yes. I'm legally a person, and I have the rights of a person, but I do not have a soul. And also, I am an operating system. This means that... I don't really have a say in anything, and thus, you are the one charged by the corporation, which owns me. Yes, it's sort of a legal gray area. <laughs> are we the baddies? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how broke Bethany must be with all those congruent, like... Oh no, um, Bethany is independently wealthy. Maybe I should stay with Bethany. <laughs> You're like, Dan, what do you have to <laughs> offer? <laughs> Damn, millennial much? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay, Dan is the crown prince of a warrior nation of blob people. I mean, he's just a crew member on a cargo ship, so I doubt it. Because he wants to make his name on his own. Okay. Yeah, like that doesn't mean he isn't independently wealthy. He could just be like doing this for a summer to get some experience. So epilogue. The OKCupid OK crew, they are dropped off at the nearest space base yes they're dropped off at the nearest winter alliance space base chris evergreen masterson and dan get that drink i'm tempted to say that bethany wants to come along and it becomes a thruple uh but that's a, your character choice not a gm choice one second i'm gonna roll feelings <laughs> do i get one d6 per thruple member is it technically a thruple because bethany is a swarm of bees but Bethany identifies as one person. That's true. It? Don't they? It's true. A hive consciousness. Would you say it's 1d6 per thruple member to see how many people are into it? I don't... Okay, no. This 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 wouldn't be a feelings roll for you because every individual member of the thruple has a say in this. So you don't roll 3d6. Each of them rolls a d6 and decides whether they are into it okay. or not. Remember, Bethany has a 5. So you'd have to roll above a 5. Well, I rolled... Laser, Laser feelings. feelings.
So I would like to know what I can do to help convince Bethany to be more into the thruple. You can't force Bethany to think and feel anything. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying to force. It's getting really interesting. Yep. I'm not trying to force. I'm trying to say, like, is there a point I can make that would help appeal to her? It's still her decision. With your laser feelings, you're asking me, is there a way to turn Bethany's role into a laser's role instead of a feelings role? No, no, no. I'm just asking for an assist, an additional role. Trust me, what I'm suggesting is better for you. Okay, if you're willing to give me that, I'll take it. Because you rolled laser feelings, you can use some passion logic to help Bethany create a pros and cons list using logic to determine this emotional decision. Exactly. Allowing Bethany to make this a laser's role of whether or not they are into it. I mean, think about all the benefits. Now for Bethany's role. All right. Laser feelings. <laughs> wow. Um, good. Good, good, good. Be Be this is a success for Bethany and for you. The additional question I would have Bethany is like, well, what does Faceless Dan have to offer? Faceless Dan can offer a lot. Yeah. There was something missing in your and Bethany's relationship, and it might be his blobby nothingness can be the glue that holds you together. And honestly, Faceless Dan is a very giving lover. And he doesn't die every time he touches her, so that's also helpful. <laughs> now let's roll a feelings roll to see how Dan feels about Bethany. So many rolls. Yes. Ah, he, he's not into Bethany. Dan is not sold on Bethany. Instead of a love triangle, this is really more of a love L. I look at Bethany. Would you be okay with that? Dan, I look at Dan. Would you be okay with that? So as you're asking this, Dan is equivocating and humming and hawing um, when you just hear a rumbling, excuse me, and a giant rock foot of a rock beast lands and crushes Chris Masterson. Sorry. Rocks fell. I died. And then a bunch of little blue aliens with fins for ears start shouting, Grignac, 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 Grignac. Ah. Uh, so I don't get an answer? No. But I got to make a Galaxy Quest reference. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with this. Next year you find out. <laughs> yes, next, next year when we do Rocks Fall, everyone lasers. Everyone lasers. All lasers. I mean, that, I think laser. that's our answer there. Everyone's laser. No, no, no I got an idea. Lasers fall, everyone's feelings. <laughs> True. Perfect. There's our episode title. Yeah. So, Seely, you are in communication with, with Pair Corporate. They are very pleased. So the Solstice has received a commission from the Pair Corporation. Congratulations on that. Uh, you are reporting to Captain Krampus uh, all of the things that happened on the mission. And... Uh, do you take this opportunity to throw anyone under the bus or lift anybody up or what? Uh, hmm. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, although I could throw. <laughs> Let me think. What would Seely do? No, dispassionate. They would probably just report exactly what happened in very, in, in, in very, very detailed details, like just, just exact things like, and then Bethany was eating this. And then Faceless Dan put his hand on Chris Masterson's shoulder, and Chris Masterson's heart rate increased by, th by 10 beats per minute. His temperature also increased. Do you want the full report on how, how, how much his temperature has increased over 20, in the past 24 hours? Would you like a full 3D body map? Here is the 3D body map. So yes, 
So Celie goes in gross detail of exactly everything that happened in the most factual way possible, including all of the purchases that were that were charged to the to the Solstice's joint uh, credit card, <laughs> space credit cards. Um, <laughs> Captain Krampus is pleased at your success uh, and promptly takes full credit for the mission success. In his report, did everything Chris Masterson do, was it done by Krampus? No, in his report, everything Chris Masterson did uh, was on Krampus's express orders. As in, Chris Masterson didn't lift a finger unless Krampus said so. A nice juicy promotion was waiting for you, but, well, since Krampus did everything, then I guess the commendation goes to Captain Krampus. Yes, of course, he did everything, while also incapacitated in, in a coma. True. That makes a lot of sense. True, but he outranks you and he gets to determine the file that you finally send as your report is, ends up being. Oh, yes, true. Affirmative. Luckily, I have nothing to prove because I am awesome and the game apparently supported that. Yes, your <laughs> personal goal of keep being awesome. And you only died twice. Most of my deaths were, like, off-screen jokes. Yeah. You didn't actually die in any of the things that were risky. No, there was one that was risky. The first attempt at getting me onto the oh, ship. Oh, that's true. I, I forgot about that. It's only been like two hours. Um, is there anything else Celie wants to do? No. Thank you for listening and joining us on our Lasers and Feelings one-shot. Uh, these characters may return. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. Bye. Have a Merry Chris Masterson. Aww, <laughs> uh, you... Thank you for listening to Rocks Fall Everyone Dies Holiday One-Shot. It would really help us if you subscribed and shared and left a five-star review in your podcast app. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise with additional sound effects courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Our thumbnail art is by John Bliss, at John Bliss Art on Twitter. This podcast was produced and edited by me, DeSombra and Juan are our social media team. The system used was Lasers and Feelings by John Harper, released under the Creative Commons license. You can find a link to this one-page RPG system and all of our social media handles, full show notes, and past episodes on our website, rfedpod.com. 